Hope Through Exile is a new podcast that desires to provide a different message from what is present in modern society. True hope can only be found in Jesus. As part of that hope, we as Christians must be exiled from the world's way and believe that through Jesus, we now are citizens of heaven. This citizenship is guaranteed because Christ has already proclaimed victory. All right. Welcome back to another episode of Hope Through Exile. My name is David. I'm Matt. What's up, guys? And we are discussing today, hope is in Jesus. Today's a good topic. I feel like today's a good topic, mostly because we want to do some real-world application here as it applies to hope found in Jesus. You know, right. I'm going to trip you up here a little bit, Matt. Uh-oh. Um, we're first going to talk about faith. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't see that one come. <laughs> so here's a good one. I think a lot of people define faith based off of, out of the Bible, they're like, oh, well, faith without works is dead. You know, that whole right. famous verse. So that's, that's how they define faith. It's, it's something that requires work behind it. But what would you truly define faith as? I would say faith is trusting that God is who he says he is, and he's done what he says he did and is going to do. So I have faith that what the Bible says about God is true, that that's who God says that he is. I have faith that that I'm saved and forgiven because of what Jesus did on the cross. I have faith that God says that Jesus did this to take my place and that since I've called out to his name, I am saved. My relationship with God and my right standing with him is based solely on my faith that he did what he said he did in the Bible. So I would define faith personally as trust that God is who he says he is and Mm. he did what he said he did. Yeah. That's a good one. I do like that. You know, and we have faith in a lot of things. Whether you have faith in God or not, we as people tend to have faith in a lot of things. Just go back to like conversations we've we've had over the phone before. I'd made the analogy of like a vehicle, right? I know nothing about vehicles. I'm the worst guy there there probably is out there because guy's supposed to know a lot about vehicles. Supposedly. I don't. I know where <laughs> to find the battery and and I know how to jump a car. That's that's about it. Right. Uh, aside from driving it. That's about what I know. So if you have car problems, come see me. <laughs> no, don't do that. But anyways, it takes a lot of faith for me to go out and drive my vehicle. Because I have no idea on a day to day, whether that vehicle is going to start or not. I don't know. I don't actually know. When I go in, sit in my vehicle, and I put the key in the ignition, and I turn it, it is pure faith that that vehicle is going to start. I mean, I could not tell you how it all works in order for it to start, nor could I tell you that or guarantee anybody that it would start the day I decide to go ahead and put the key in the ignition and turn it. And realistically, everybody's the same. I mean, you could be the most intelligent and most knowledgeable mechanic, and it's still going to take faith for that for that vehicle to start the next day. Right. As I mean, there, there could have been any number of things that would happen. Right. From the time that you stop driving it to the next day that you start driving it. Right? Right. I mean, you right. you talked about a little bit of like just even driving to your destination. Yeah. That takes faith. Absolutely, it does. I, I mean, think of how many people get killed in car accidents. Right, right. Right? Every day. I mean, you think about it. You're going down the, the highway or just down a country road. You're going 60 miles an hour and a big moving piece of metal 
and there's somebody passing you going 60 miles an hour, just feet from your car. Right. You do it every day without thinking about it all the time. Faith. And the, yeah. Faith yeah. in your ability to drive, faith in their ability to drive. Yeah. Whatever it is, it's faith. And I think that's true to your statement. And if you were just to substitute, whether it be God, you could substitute something else. But you have to have faith in that, whatever it is, that it is true, that it is, I mean, in, in the function of a vehicle, that it would operate properly and all that other stuff. Yeah. So with faith, and the reason why I'm getting that, that whole kick on faith here is essentially, can a Christian have faith and be an at-home Christian? Let me ask you that. Ooh. And, Ooh. and when I say an at-home Christian, let me define this a little more. I don't mean to offend anybody on this, but we all know we're, we're dealing with a pandemic, right? Right. If I'm at home and I'm saying, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for you from my seat. I want to sit right here. I don't want to be around anybody. I don't want to chance this because of whatever, whatever reason that you justify sitting at home. Am I faithful in my walk with Christ in that now? And I'm not looking for a straight answer here. Right. I mean, honestly, we can't say yes or no. Right. But I just want to challenge the concept of where is the faith being placed? Right. Because I'm not going to sit there and go, well, they're not a Christian. Right. Because I can't say that. Absolutely. I'm not going to say that. Right. But what I can say is, should you take another look at where your faith is? You know, because at the same time, I could decide I'm going to go to church and that the only time... I'm going to pray, I'm going to worship, I'm going to do anything for God, is Sunday. And every other day of the week is my day. Where's my faith? Right. So you got to be really careful the way you word this and the way you say this, because there are people that are really struggling with this, you know, and, and they are praying and they feel that it's okay for them to be at home praying and they can be worshiping from their house, praying to God from their house, living out just a strong faith mm-hmm. and, and refraining from going to church right now. And I am nobody to say, well, they're not. They're not doing it the right way. Right. If they feel they have a conviction from God, this is what they need to do to take care of their family. Because this is what I think. I think I probably see this different than a lot of people because a lot of people are tend to go one way or another. They tend to think that either... All right, let's just go down this hole. <laughs> let's go. We'll, go. we'll go ahead. This is, yeah. Um, okay, we'll see, we'll see where this thing lands. Right. You, have, you have people on one end of the spectrum, and they, they tend to think that if you wear a mask of any shape or form, that you're a sheep and that you're just listening to what people say about you. There's people I know that wear a mask that simply wear a mask, not because they think it's protecting anybody or protecting themselves. They're wearing a mask because they want it. There's, there's older people that go to the grocery stores that don't have any other choice and they want to make them feel more safe. So they're wearing a mask for that. I think that's, that's amazing. I'm not going to judge anybody on that. But anyways, there's people that tend to think that, that if you wear a mask, that you're a sheep, not the case. Some people might be listening and they think that what the government says is right. That doesn't mean that they're a sheep. Other people are just wearing a mask because they want to love other people. And that's their way of doing it. I think that if you think that you're going to stop somebody from getting an illness and that would stop them from getting an illness that you might have, then that is an act of love. Do it. But then there's also people on the other end of the spectrum. And they're like, well, if you don't wear a mask, you hate humanity. You hate people. 
right. know what I mean? Yeah. And just like all things in life, there's always gray area. You know what I mean? There is. I don't think that we can look at somebody and and say what God is doing in their life. You know what I mean? If it doesn't go against what the Bible says, then we can't make a judgment call on that. You know? Yes. I would agree that we're not to cast judgment outside of the Bible. We talked about this earlier where the Bible is used to help correct out of love, to help in those circumstances where tough messages need to be told, but strictly out of love, right? Right. My thing is with this, and and I'm just going to say it, and I hope it's taken out of love. I just don't think that as Christians, when you talk about the Great Commission, when Jesus ascended into heaven, he told us to go out and make disciples, baptize, all that other stuff. Those are social interactions. When Jesus was on earth, if we're to live an example of him, what he did was social interaction, right? Now, social interaction can be different. Now, we have online, we have all these other tools that are accessible to us. And I get that. However, I don't think that an online social interaction is the same as a personal contact social interaction. It is from my heart that I think as Christians, we are to be boots on the ground, as they would put it in the army or or the military. We are to be on the front lines. We are to be the people that are out risking everything to get this message out there. Now, I understand personal conviction. I get if you have a personal conviction and you're not ready, if that person, whoever it is, is is like, I'm not ready for this, then yeah, don't. Don't go out there and pretend. It's not what I'm saying. But start searching. Start trying to find, okay, where am I? Where is God having me right now? Where, you know, I think the mask thing is trivial as it pertains to the kingdom of God. When we talk about a lot of issues, as it relates to the things that are happening in America, trivial as it comes to the the kingdom of God. I know we talked about this, and I I think we agreed that there are a lot of things that are going to start separating as far as what the kingdom of God has in store for us and what we need to do as far as uh, pursuing the kingdom of God and then also what society is expecting. And we're seeing that already. I think faith and hope tie together, right? It's just like in the Bible. You know, you were talking about earlier faith that you have in the Bible. That Bible is filled with what? It's filled with that hope, right? right? They got to tie together. They got to intersect at some point. Where is that intersection? Where do you believe that intersection is? Here's the thing. You talked about if somebody's staying at home and not going to church. Well, not going to church. See, again, church is one of those trivial things, I think. You just need some sort of social gathering. We call it church. But, I mean, church can be somebody's home. To be straight up about it, like you said that we're, we're to be boots on the ground and we're supposed to be doing that. Are we actually doing it anyway? Is this pandemic stopping us from doing that? Or is it something that we would, we would have been doing and then the pandemic happened and now everybody's staying at home? That's no. a good point. America and, and the church in America has been on a crutch for so long. And we weren't doing anything before this thing happened. I mean, yeah, churches, individual churches, were they, they do a lot for the community and, and countries and, and things like that. But as a whole, like the, the American church, we weren't boots on the ground, man. Like we're not out there 
other countries are sending missionaries here to the United States of America. Crazy. That's crazy. We have a church on every corner and we have other countries sending missionaries to go and preach to the people that we're supposed to be preaching to. So when it comes to a pandemic stopping us from doing something, we weren't doing anything anyway, man. Not like we should be like our country is, is a mess right now. Like we have riots, we have a pandemic, we have this election that's dividing people a way that no previous election has ever done. And the Christian nation that we have right now, or the church in America is so divided. The enemy has just came in and kicked our teeth in, dude. And we're just letting them do it. And we sit around and are so complacent about things when we should be fallen at the cross and at the feet of God and just begging him to heal our land. His word says, if my people were to, to humble themselves and repent of their sins and cry out to my name, I will hear from heaven and heal their land. It doesn't say if all the sinners would repent. It says of my people, right? if God's people were his people, what are we doing? If we're not doing this, we should be so passionate. If we believe that prayer works, that God hears our prayers, which we have to believe that if we're a Christian, because at some point in time, we confessed our sins to God and we have faith that he heard it and forgave us of that. So we have to believe that he hears our prayers. If we believe that prayer works, that he hears them, then what are we doing? Why, why are we just sitting around arguing about politics and what we think the hope of America is? Because it's not anything we have. It's not any official that's ever going to be elected. It's not in any vaccine. It's not in wearing a mask or not wearing a mask. And again, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with any of these. I'm not saying there's not a place for Christians in politics because there are and it's needed. I'm not saying there's anything against medicine because I believe that God distributes his grace through medicine. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with, with wearing a mask because I believe that God has given us the ability to use our heads to protect ourselves and those around us. Yeah. So I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But ultimately, if our hope is in the medical field or politicians or passing enough laws to stop our country from being in chaos, then our hope is displaced and we have an issue. I get fired up about it because we need to wake up, man. Like if we're such a Christian nation, we need to be falling at at the feet of God and, and begging him to revive this country. And if we believe that he can do it, which I do with everything in me, then we should be just as a people uniting and saying, God help us. And, and we're not, we're divided about dumb stuff. Like Israel, had the kings that God had put there. They had David. Yeah. And which they consider their best king ever in the history of, of Israel. Right. Were they okay all the time? Were they crying out to David, David, heal our land? No. No. If we had the most Christian politician, if you put Billy Graham as the president, you know what? If your hope isn't Billy Graham, then you're in trouble. You know what I mean? If we had everything that, that we could do with the medical field to fix us and to heal us and to say they came out with the coronavirus vaccine right now and say it worked and it healed everybody and it was just gone. Was was your hope actually in the medical field anyway? You know what I mean? Right. Is that, is that going to be the savior of the world, the savior of your life? No, it's in God and God alone, but we divide it and argue. We can't keep ourselves from arguing with people. We have to say, this is the way it is. This is why I think it's right. Instead of saying, look, we need to come together and pray to God. Yeah. Christians are different, man. But we still can just come to God together. And you know what? Christians have always been different. Like if you look at the disciples, get this. So you had, you had Simon the Zealot, which a zealot was like just somebody that, that would have committed violence. 
for the sake of Israel, to protect Israel, to protect the country. Right. And then you had Matthew, who's a tax collector. And a tax collector was somebody that was paid by Rome to collect taxes from the Israelites for Rome. And then he would take more money for himself. So to put that in into perspective, it would be like Russia coming over invading the United States. And then your neighbor went and said, okay, Russia, I want to work for you and I'm going to make money to, to fund your guys' being here from all of my neighbors. What are you going to think about that guy? <laughs> yeah, you're not going to like him. So they were despised. So you had Simon, a zealot that was just all about Israel. And then you had Matthew, who was a complete opposite. And then Jesus said, you're both coming with me. And I mean, if those two people could work together for the kingdom of God, then what are we arguing about? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. This podcast is being sponsored by Hope Has Risen. Hope Has Risen is a drug recovery ministry where Jesus, hope, and recovery can coexist. We are committed to meeting people right where they are whether they are seeking recovery or are family members of those in active addiction. If you or someone you know is seeking recovery or just wants to become a part of our community, visit hopehasrisen.org or on Facebook at Hope Has Risen. Thanks for Hope Has Risen for supporting this podcast. We're like... A dog with his tail between his legs. We could be crying out to the king to save us and to heal us, and instead we're arguing with, with everybody about it. And it's just ridiculous to me, and I don't get it. I don't get it. We need revival, and God says to pray for it, we're not. So I don't, I don't understand. I definitely see your point, uh, and I agree. I think that we do need a revival. Uh, we've been saying this for a while. I know at least throughout my generation we've been saying this. And I don't think you're that much older than me. Uh, what are you, 50? No, I'm just kidding. Um, but I feel like it's something. Yeah. Two-year-old, I definitely I'm feel right like right there it. with you. But no, uh, we definitely need a revival. I mean, if we're going to do something, we're, we're going to need a revival. I think that's the message we're, we're trying to do here. Uh, this kind of appeared to be uh, a little, little preachy and a little like, hey, this is what you all need to do. But in all honesty, I mean, we both feel the same way about this and we're looking at what's transpiring around our entire lives. Uh, we're amongst other Christians that are watching friends, family members choose sides when we should all be together on this. I think the most upsetting part about this is we have a commonality. When I was in the military, the thing about the military and, and what's great about even being out of the military and being as a veteran, is the camaraderie, is the fact that you have a commonality with other people that you can associate with. It's like, hey, I was a part of this. This is something that you were a part of as well. We all have a shared experience. doesn't matter whether we are at, the, at that place or at that event at the same time, we have that shared experience. It's, it's something that is very well known amongst veterans and amongst military members. What should be happening within Christians? And what I think is frustrating to both you, myself, and other Christians that are experiencing this is that we should have that, that same camaraderie, if not at a deeper level. Because we are all brothers and sisters of Christ. 
Yes. We all have a shared experience. Right. That is the moment of which we accepted God into our life. When we accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Right. Right. For you, it was amazing and miraculous. For me, it was a stepping process. But we have a shared experience. And we're Christians. I mean, there's should be camaraderie there that is different than what the world is able to experience. Right. And yet right. we're not seeing that. Right. We're not seeing that. I know we could go on and on about this. I feel like as Christians, we have a deeper calling. We should come together. We should see past these dividing lines that the world is drawing. Right? You got a verse for us to kind of wrap this up here? First Peter 3.15 says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give it offense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. And other versions it says, to give a reason for the hope that is in you, do it with love. When the Bible talks of hope, like it, it says it differently than, than we as Americans usually say. When we say hope, like we say, well, I hope it rains today or I hope it doesn't rain today, depending on what kind of mood you're in, I guess. Um, if you're from California or <laughs> if you're from Ohio. Yeah, or if you're listening to Blind Melon. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, man, I'm going to have to go off on a 90s kick now on Alternative <laughs> on the way home. But hope, hope in the Bible isn't like wanting something to happen. Hope is, is expecting it. It's mm. a patient expecting of what's to happen. So when it says we hope or we give a reason for the hope, it doesn't mean the wishing that's in you. It's saying the expecting of what God is going to do. Like we know how the book ends. We know what it says, how, how God is going to redeem it. Ultimately, it's going to all turn into a way that glorifies God, all of it. We should be waiting and living our lives with an expectancy of that's of, of what's going to happen, yeah. of God doing that, of God redeeming the world for the way it is, of heaven. We go on vacations and we get all excited to go on a vacation, mm-hmm. you know, like, and you know that feeling like you're all packed and you're on like you have your last day of work and you, you know, as soon as you get home, you're going to leave and it's going to be awesome. And there's that expectancy. It's like amazing. Yep. You don't have to work for a week. And it's always and a good feeling. Yes. Yes. And like there, there's just something good about expecting vacation. We should be living like that always. Like when we know what God is going to do, we're going to be in paradise for eternity with him in heaven. We should be always living like that. We should always have that hope, that expe- expectation of this isn't long. This is we're we're going through this, but God is going to do something. God promised that he's going to do something on this earth and in heaven. He's going to do it. So we should always be ready to give an answer for the hope that is in us with love. We shouldn't walk around like we don't have any hope. That's really good. I like that terminology, the, the definition you put on hope. Hope is something that we expect. Right. That was really good. I want to thank you, Matt. I am Dave, and we will see you all next week. See you guys. Thanks for joining us for the Hope Through Exile podcast. Hope Through Exile is made possible by the generous support of Hope Has Risen Recovery Ministry. Find out more about their mission and get involved at hopehasrisen.org. The Shine FM Podcast Network.